Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society S, the S stands for special. You're special. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We're going to be talking about the news from the week, including some Nintendo-related updates out of the Tokyo Game Show. And then on Thursday, come back because we're going to be talking about our experiences with the Switch Online service and the Nintendo Entertainment System Online. So come back for that. Mark, in the meantime, how are you? Feeling great. Happy fall, everybody. Happy fall. It has happened now. We made it. The summer is over. We are no longer suffering through uh, a Fury Road-esque uh, arid landscape. I- I'm feeling hydrated. How are you- You're feeling good with it? I'm feeling, re- I'm feeling really good with it. Uh, yeah, no longer do we serve underneath the tyranny of the sun. Right. I was just playing Super Mario Brothers 3, and that sun swooping down from the sky and like chasing after me, that was all of August, and we all know it. And we're- now we're done with it. Um, it's good. That's important. Uh, Mark, we've got a lot of stuff to get to today, uh, but there are a couple things that we need to talk about first. First, uh-huh. People have got to borrow, borrow your copy of Sonic Forces. People have got to borrow my copy of Sonic Forces. It's good for you. It's good for them. Do you know where my copy of Sonic Forces is right now? Uh, Omaha. It's in Nebraska. Wow. Look at it go. And then it'll, I mean, or it's en route between Nebraska and here. We don't know. Look, it has a life of its own. It's very exciting. All you have to do to borrow my copy of Sonic Forces is send an email to Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com and include your mailing address. And I send you, a, uh, well, I put you on a list first, and then I send you a copy of the game. It's and like Gamefly, but for free and only one game. That's right. Gamefly has uh, 899 more, no, they have 9,000 games, 8,999 more games than we do. But you have to pay at least some money. You sucker. Yeah, you are, you rube. Why do that when you can get Sonic Forces for free? That's, just, that's what I would do. That's what I would do as well. Here's another thing that you could do with that email address, This Mark. is very exciting. This is very exciting. We are ready to announce our next uh, ranking or listing or however you want to qualify uh, the, this kind of episode. We are going to be determining the eight best NES games. And we're going to be doing that on the apropos day. Of November 8th. That's right. So you need to get your votes. Actually, that's going to uh, coincide pretty nicely with the actual election day, right? Just about because the, the actual election is on the 6th. Yeah, just about. Um, so, you, so maybe we should even put it off and record the episode on that Tuesday night <laughs> so that people, people have the opportunity to, uh, to vote on actual voting day. Because we're all about voters' rights. That's right. Uh, and also, I love that we are only coming to this conclusion as, <laughs> as we're talking about it. We're very civic-minded. We're, yes, that's right. Um, but look, if you don't participate and tell us what the eight best NES games are, Mark and I are just going to put six Mega Man games on there. 
and DuckTales and DuckTales 2. That'll be it. Patrick, we're not going to do any of those things because there are a couple of rules that go along with this. And the main rule is you can only put one game from a... Uh, a series, a series, right, on your list. So one Mario game, mm-hmm. one Zelda game, one Mega Man game, at most, at most. Maybe you and think look, Mario's garbage. Look, 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 look. I mean, maybe, maybe you think Mario's garbage. What? <laughs> maybe you do. Mario Two counts as a Mario game. You can't be like, uh, it's part of a Doki Doki Panic. Yeah, this isn't a Famicom list. Yeah, no, it is not a Famicom list. I cannot stress that enough. We are talking original. Mark, what do you think about uh, games that, like, uh, multiple games on, on one cartridge? Do you think that counts as one one game? No. Okay, so Duck Hunt, if you think it stands on its own, fine. You cannot pair it with Super Mario Brothers. You cannot pair it with world-class track meet as well. These games all have to stand on their own. Um, so this is going to be a good one. But you need to participate. Email us, Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. All right, Mark, are you ready to what uh, to get into what we've been playing this week? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I have been uh well first first of all, I, I did a little like home re uh, decorating, rearranging uh, in my in my home around my entertainment system that I just wanted to talk a little bit about because it concerns the Switch and the Nintendo Labo specifically. Yes. Um, so my Switch, like your Switch, uh, used to sit, the dock used to sit in the lower, like near the lower left corner of the TV, blocking part of it. Mm-hmm. And at first I was like, this is a minor inconvenience, but it's fine. It's just where the Switch lives. It's just where the Switch lives, and I don't know where else to put it. Nowhere else in the entertainment center makes sense, because you have to lift it up, too. Like, there's a lot of vertical empty space required above the Switch for the thing to function the way it's supposed to. You need a stadium seating type, that's, like, that's uh, right. you need entertainment to, center. You need to go in with a crane and <laughs> pull it out. Um, so uh, I, I, I decided that enough was enough. And that I wanted to get a free, like, floating shelf um, that I could put on a wall near my couch and not near the TV to put the Nintendo Switch dock on. And then run HDMI and power cables over to the Entertainment Center from there. Um, I have done this. The shelf also has some succulents on it because this was the compromise I made with my girlfriend. <laughs> that, yes, you can have a Nintendo Switch shelf, but it should also look nice. Listeners. Let me be your eyes and tell you it looks fabulous, Patrick. Thank you, Mark. Uh, I potted the succulents myself. Wow. Yeah, and put that little gravel on there, that rock. They look great. Thank you. Um, and then the label-related part of this, you will notice that there are no longer um, pieces of stray cardboard all over my house in the shapes of steering wheels and fishing rods. Uh, we got uh, big... Uh, they're also cardboard boxes <laughs> from Ikea, but they're like the nice ones that have like metal handles and stuff. A very elegant solution. Yeah, and just it's all like stored up on top of the fridge. Um, and this is a very like, uh, I know this is where we talk about games that we played, but I had fun <laughs> coming up with these solutions. Well, you love cardboard now. I do love cardboard now. I have always loved cardboard. Um, I've also been playing Overcooked too. <laughs> Uh, Sarah and I continue to play Overcooked 2. It's great. There are weird difficulty spikes in it, 
where um you know where we're playing and we you know we're getting like two or three stars on like our first tries in in some levels and then we'll just like get to the next level and it'll take us like five or six tries to get a single star in i it. felt that way about the first game i i just think in general the first game was a little bit easier though like we encounter those like super tough spikes uh way more frequently than we did in the first one um but it's great like the the game has got some really cool like things with portals and disappearing stairs um and like the just the 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 challenge is uh like exciting every time there are these um the so the the dog in the game is named kevin uh, and there are levels that you can unlock that are kevin levels where you're making dog food um and you have to fulfill certain requirements in normal levels to unlock the kevin stages and as soon as we discovered this we were like well Let's just look up what requirements those are and actually, you know, do them. And those are hard, like, because it'll be something where, you know, it'll be like 800 points to get three stars. And then it's like, or get, you know, 11,000 or 1100 to uh, unlock the Kevin level. And it's just like, uh, okay, here's this level we thought we mastered, but have to get like 300 more points in. Yeah, the way you're describing it doesn't make me regret not getting Overcooked 2. I liked Overcooked 1 a lot, but I like the idea of it more than I like the actual game, which I thought was just from the get-go kind of too difficult for the game that I wanted it to be. That's interesting because, like, it being difficult is, like, one of the things that, like, keeps me coming back to it. And But it's also the thing that, like, stresses me out. So, like, it's why I, I go I go to the game because it's going to challenge me, but I'm also, like... I need you to leave me alone, game. You're challenging me. Uh, I played some of the Splatoon 2 Splatfest this weekend. Hey! It was retro versus modern. Mm -hmm. I also played the Splatfest. What, which team were you on? So I ended up repping uh, Team Retro. Ah, the losing team. Not just the losing team, but like the just totally stumped. <laughs> you guys got creamed. We got walloped in all three categories and i say you guys because of course i was team modern anybody who has seen me knows that i have a modern jensei qua about me <laughs> um did you play uh did you play a lot i i played quite a bit of splatoon 2 i didn't actually end up participating in the Splatfest that much uh because salmon run opened up and i love oh you love salmon, salmon run. run um and so if i had the choice between the two i'm going to play salmon run this was the first Splatfest under, like, the new Splatoon 2 4.0, like, Splatfest rules. Yeah. And uh, I finally kind of understand what the different distinctions mean in, uh, like, the team matches. So there's pro well, and so, then, like, normal. Right. Which there's is no longer team, right? Right. Which, like, what did that ever mean? Team I versus could not all, tell you. I, I didn't know either. Yeah. So pro, basically, all they're looking at from like a progression standpoint is did your team win or did your team lose okay. the normal one like that one for progression takes into account how much like territory did you splat oh, like how did you personally perform got it, got so like it. normal was perfect for me because it's uh it stressed me out way less because it, a lot of it is just like personal performance so if i felt like i did okay in the match you know, I was oh, you like think there was like a self evaluation portion? <laughs> a little bit. Um, the and I think that these new rules actually kind of changed the way that Splatfest results ended up because previously it seemed like whatever was the most popular team always ended up losing. Yeah, the Splatfest, but in, not the case. Not the case in this because one. Modern was way more popular. 
like uh, way like more than twice as popular. Yeah, it was like sixty eight percent to thirty one percent, and uh, modern won all three categories. So it'll be interesting to see if it's that going forward. Although, like you always like to say, Patrick. Who knows how these numbers are generated? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're never going to see, like, the back-end number. I would love it if they just released spreadsheets of, like, <laughs> uh, with a time log of, like, here are the four people that played. Here's the amount of turf they inked. And then you could go back and scrub through the replay videos <laughs> from any angle following any character. Uh, I also played the Dark Souls Remastered Network Test. Mm-hmm. So that how, fi- how did that go? So, um... I thought it was I thought it was great. Okay. Yeah, like, yeah, I have I have zero complaints. I know some people were playing it and they were not impressed with like frame pacing. I'm gonna be honest, don't know what it means. Didn't affect my enjoyment of it. I know people have complained about frame pacing in these from software games uh from the beginning of time, and it has not affected my enjoyment and of any of them. Um I will say that like as far as the network went, uh I had a lot of like failed summons and things mm. like that, but oh man, was this like the perfect exi- like this was an experience with Dark Souls in a microcosm where uh, the the switches network test drops you off in this place called Undead Parish, and it's uh you get there not like early in the game, but early ish in the game. Uh-huh. Um, and it's been a long time since I played Dark Souls or Bloodborne. And it was, like, that perfect, like, learning curve that I remember the first time I played these games where you just, I just died a bunch in the beginning. I'm like, this game is so hard. Like, how am I ever going to do anything? And then you slowly just, like, start leveling up. And you sl- not leveling up. But you slowly just, like, start remembering the mechanics or you start, like, yeah. uh, running to a different area. And you're like, oh, my gosh, there's, like, a whole basement in here that I didn't get to before. And it's it's addicting. It's super addicting. I'm definitely picking it up on Switch. Oh, that's exciting. Um, I actually found I had a little bit of that experience back to Splatoon for a second. Um, that when I wasn't doing the Splatfest, which again, you know, I I had a ton of fun with this weekend. Um, I also hopped back into the um Octo expansion, which is also just crushingly difficult. And there are so many challenges that I walk into, and the first time I'm like, I'm never going to be able to do this. And then, you know, just a couple uh, rounds through it later, I'm like, oh, I just, I just have to play the game. I just have to, like, engage the mechanics of the game. Um, do you think I would like Dark Souls? I don't know. I would love for you to try. Right. Genuinely. Um, especially because there are, like, there is a co-op mechanic. So we could like summon each other into our games. And so we could defeat like bosses and things together. Yeah. Um, and that's how I played through bloodborne the first time. And I had a lot of fun doing it that way. Oh, Do I have bloodborne on my PlayStation four? Was it like free with a uh, PS plus? I'm not month? sure. Probably at this point, but yeah, um, I should look into that. <laughs> see if I enjoy that. They're both great games. Great. Um, okay. Well, that's what we've been playing this week. Let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. Today, September 25th, Valkyria Chronicles 4 is coming out on Switch. Uh, so that is like a, a tactics-y uh, style game. And I like tactics. I've never played a Valkyria Chronicles before. So I played the Valkyria Chronicles 4 demo. That's right. And uh, these types of games are just not my thing. Um, they require their tactical games, and that is just not how I enjoy 
thinking. <laughs> I don't enjoy thinking tactically. No, Mark does not like thinking tactically. <laughs> um, and so uh, it's I'm not going to be picking it up, but it seems like if you are into that type of game, that it is a good one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, also, The Walking Dead, the final season, episode two, is being released tomorrow. We'll get in. We'll get into why that's interesting Uh in a second. Mm -hmm. Um, And then South Park, the Stick of Truth is also coming out. Um, That kind of snuck up on me. Uh, I remember like hearing that that they were going to bring it to Switch. Um, And you know, if uh, if you recall, I played the fractured butthole when it came to Switch uh, and liked it uh, a fair amount. And just like everything that I had heard about that game was people being like a little bit underwhelmed in the shadow of Stick of Truth. Uh, So I'm. I think I'm totally going to pick this up. And then on September 27th, Towerfall comes out. That's the game we saw in the most recent Nindie Direct. Is that right? Or was it the Nintendo Direct? No, yeah, I think it was the Nindie Showcase. And then uh, Dragalia Lost, uh, Nintendo's new mobile RPG. I don't don't even know what to do with this, Mark. I mean, I feel like we're going to have to download download it. it. Right. And what happens after then, you know, who can say? And then on September 28th... <laughs> Throwing out a lot of responsibility here. <laughs> <laughs> on September 28th, Jake Hunter Detective Story Ghost of the Dusk is coming out for the 3DS. Do you know what that is? Uh, I know that it's a Jake Hunter Detective Story game. Oh, so that's is... just a, de- a, de- a detective story. It's like a, a, a visual novel right. style game? Right. Okay. Uh-huh. And um, I think I'm going to be picking this up. And then FIFA 19 comes out... As well as well as Dragon Ball Fighters, is that Fighter Z? It yeah. must be right. Yeah. And then uh, the Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild starter pack, Splatoon Two starter pack. I don't know why I asked that about Dragon Ball Fighter Z because we've talked we've about talked it about before. it a bunch. <laughs> I think I've always just called it Dragon Ball Fighters, though. Have I called it the right thing? I really I, can't remember. I, I assume that we've had this exact conversation every time we've talked about Dragon Ball Fighter Z. Just believe it or not, I think this is actually the first time that I don't. That's not possible. I think it might be. <laughs> I don't know about that. Uh, Breath of the Wild starter pack comes out. Splatoon two starter pack and the Super Mario Odyssey starter pack all out on September twenty eighth. Now you may ask yourself, starter pack? What's a starter pack? So it they're just like physical versions of the game that come with an extra like booklet book, yeah kind of so if for uh we have all these written down uh, odyssey comes with the traveler's guide book splatoon comes with a strategy guide and two uh sheets of stickers and breath of the wild comes with an explorer's guide full of lore and learning so wasn't there like a breath of the wild explorer's edition or something that came out previously so i'm wondering if it's just that same booklet i mean that had a map too right so maybe they're just like Taking out the map, right, and just putting the booklet in. What do you think about uh, both Splatoon and uh, Zelda coming out with like a special edition that doesn't pack in the DLC? Are these really special editions, or are they just like? I mean, they're just like another reason to like package it and sell it, I guess. But like, what's even the point of that? I I could not tell you because they're. There's $59.99. They're coming out at 60 bucks. Yeah, I genuinely don't know. Like, because I was trying to think, like, oh, maybe it's to entice people who are buying a Switch this holiday to pick up Mario Odyssey. Or the Breath of the Wild. Like, what? These are games that, like, you're just going to pick up. These games need no further incentive. I really don't get it. 
do you, listener, own a Nintendo Switch and not either or both Mario Odyssey and Breath of the Wild? I would love to know. Would yeah. love to know. And that it doesn't sound like super crazy to me because some people don't like Zelda games, you know? And Odyssey might not be for you. But if you don't own those, does including the little, like, booklet does that entice you does that change your mind (laughs) to have like more of it does that i just i every other and i know this is just a nintendo thing and like i should just get over it but like every other big game that gets released will within you know a year or two years of their release have a complete version that has all the DLC. Game of the Year edition. Yeah, and it's usually uh, $20 cheaper the than ultimate it was. Ultimate Murder Edition. Oh my god. Isn't that, the one that, isn't that what Assassin's Creed? Isn't that what is that what those are called? called? Ultimate Murder <laughs> no, Edition? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Blood on your hands yeah. edition. Uh, yeah, it just... it. Uh, but I, it's a bummer to me that that'll never happen, you know, like until these things are remastered on the next Nintendo system. Yeah, I mean, never say never, but... I'm saying never. I'm saying it's never going to happen. We'll never say never again. (laughs) This is like a weirdly big week for Nintendo releases. Or like games on the Switch. I didn't even really notice it. The fall really is upon us. I mean, it's not just that it's big games on the Switch. There's, like you said, the the, uh, Jake Hunter detective story coming to 3DS. And Dragalia Lost coming to mobile. Like, you know, Nintendo doesn't... They have uh, a number of platforms and there's stuff coming out on all of them this week, which is weird. Um, all right, let, Mark, let's get out of the new releases. And now it's time for a regular segment on our show. It's time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or a group of performers didn't play their instruments for four minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So, for the duration of one performance of 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. We're sort of maybe slightly bending that rule here, right? Because we are going to talk about the PlayStation Classic. It is obvious why we're talking about the PlayStation Classic. is because it is very much like the NES Classic Edition or the Super NES Classic Edition in that PlayStation is like, here is a small thing that is emulating our old hardware it comes preloaded with 20 uh, games 20 games um and uh here you have two playstation controllers have at it uh so for not dual shock controllers not dual shocks yes um but for most of the playstation's life there were just the what did what, what i can't did remember they have what names? it was called did they have names i i can't remember what it was called that's smart on Sony's part when they're like reissuing controllers with uh, more features to be like, we should name these. <laughs> these are now DualShocks. <laughs> it's what the controllers will be called forever. <laughs> um, so uh, first things first, are you interested in this thing? Are you excited about it? Uh, so I, there are going to be stone cold classics on this system. Uh, like that, oh. you know, like that is just going to be true. I, Symphony of the Night is probably going to be on there. Metal Gear Solid is probably going to be on there. Final Fantasy VII is confirmed to be on there. Like, there are going to be awesome games on this system. I think there could be awesome games on the system. It is also entirely possible that there will not be awesome games on the system. Um, The five games that have been announced are Final Fantasy VII, as you mentioned, uh, Jumping Flash, Bridge Racer Type 4, Tekken 3, and Wild Arms. 
So Jumping Flash, not interested. Next, Ridge Racer. I'm never going to play a Ridge Racer game ever. Tekken 3, I'll play any other Tekken game on any other platform. And Wild Arms, I'm not going to go back to play Wild Arms. You ever try to play Wild Arms, Mark? Well, in Final Fantasy VII, that too. it's everywhere. <laughs> yes. It's, It'll, yes. Everywhere and coming everywhere. Yeah. Well, in... Look, that is true of every single game that was on the NES Classic Edition. Yes. That is true of every game except for Star Fox 2 on the SNES Classic Edition. Yeah. Um, so the fact that like these games are available on other platforms to be played. Yeah, not like, really a counter argument. Not really a counter argument. Um, I guess for me it's more that just like I never owned a PlayStation. And yeah. the PlayStation games that I did play have been uh, you know, like ps3 remasters or there was a time when i was borrowing my friend's ps2 and i went through a lot of the ps1 back catalog but i don't have a lot of nostalgia for the system so because these games are available elsewhere like the small form factor isn't exciting to me like the way that the nes or the snes was and that's purely because I have Nintendo nostalgia and I do not have PlayStation nostalgia. Yeah. Well, the, I mean, the thing that's weird is I do have PlayStation nostalgia. I remember um, my little brother and I saving up for the PlayStation when we discovered that Final Fantasy was not going to be on the, the Nintendo 64. Like, that, that was the motivating factor for me. And then by extension for him, uh, it was like, we, we, to follow this franchise that we love, we need to get this other machine. Um, and so, you know, like, I remember playing a ton of that and Twisted Metal 2 um, and, like, discovering the Resident Evil games there. And then, obviously, Metal Gear Solid, like you say. Um, but, like, I don't know. It's, it's so interesting that, for me, well, a Nintendo classic system, I'm like, yes, load that bad boy up with first-party Nintendo things. and this like i just want it to be a konami square capcom machine um i did uh have a a little game um this weekend with uh my buddy pete where we we just drafted our own um playstation classic editions and like everything on mine i think comes from those three companies plus parappa the rapper <laughs> like that's it and then mortal Kombat trilogy because i wanted it on there i mean when one of the five games that you're announcing is jump and jack flash yeah i mean what what's what oh well, well i guess i guess we'll never know I the answer we'll to never what know. uh i i would be curious if our listeners are interested in uh the playstation playstation classic edition i feel like uh you know kind of reception is all over the place and so if would love everyone's impressions. Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com or tweet at us at Nincart Society. All right, Mark, let's get into the news. Telltale Games, the studio behind The Walking Dead, Batman, The Wolf Among Us, and a bunch of others, yep. unexpectedly laid off over 200 workers without notice last week and canceled almost all of their ongoing projects, including The Walking Dead the final season, um, the second episode of which is launching on Switch today. That is two of the planned four episodes for it. So there is a skeleton crew of 25 workers left at Telltale finishing up um, their Minecraft project for Netflix. And then the plan as of now is once that is completed, then they will also be laid off. Um, 
Telltale did release a statement yesterday afternoon on Twitter saying that they have had interested parties reach out to them about finishing The Walking Dead and that they are, quote, working towards a solution. But that's all that has been said. Um, also, it says that they, uh, I, we don't have it actually written down here, but isn't it uh, like the wording on it is a little strange that it's like working towards a solution to present episodes three and four in some form, um, which, I mean, since it's The Walking Dead, like, Maybe they're going to be adapted into comics or like, I think it's totally possible that we see that we don't see the video game versions of this um, and that it just, they come out somehow. Um, well, how, how do you, how do you feel about the, the Telltale games? Are you a, a Telltale guy? I'm, uh, I haven't played very many of them, yeah. so I don't really have enough experience to, to comment. Yeah, I, I'm in uh, more or less the same boat, but it it, it it's a, obviously a big story. It affects a lot of people who are telling stories in games, um, and it is a weird bummer to see a game like stop an episodic game stop mid season. Yeah, I feel uh bad for the people who are laid off unex like with zero warning at all. Yeah, for by all accounts, or I guess I should say by most accounts. Telltale was not like a particularly well-run company, right? And a lot of you know what you hear now from people who are working there was how difficult it was to work there, or just like you know how much the company as an entity pushed people to like yeah. pump out these games, and then you know as is so often in corporate America, just like laid everybody off as soon as you know right yeah that there's no uh there, there's no like security blanket there's no uh there's no safety there are no union yeah it's not like the company valued the work at the company as an entity like valued the work these people were doing they were being used right to you know pump out product as quickly as possible and then as soon as they could no longer afford it or whatever then they were just like, okay, bye. Like, no severance, no warning, no nothing. Which, of course, is just the nature of uh, true capitalism. There is no ethical consumption in capitalism. Um, but, uh, I mean, if you think about it, uh, like, crunch time, like, that, that's, the, that's the worst part of any video game development is, you know, the, in the weeks before release when you realize we don't have any choice. We all just have to stay here and work until it's done. Uh, and for a regular game that releases, that happens once. Um, but for most of these games, they're in eight or, or five episodes or six episodes, which means they're basically in a constant state of crunch where they know their release dates and they would get delayed all the time, which means, which is just another like symptom of poor management. So like, well... Well, this company was putting out some cool games and they were telling some interesting stories. It doesn't seem like they were a particularly well-managed or well-run company. And obviously, as a company, doesn't give a shit about anyone or anything. Yeah, and like those cool games and those cool stories, those were derived from people yeah. who were creating them. And those people still exist and can go on to create, you know, like cool stories. And But I just hope they get to do it in a better environment. Yeah. Uh, workers rights are important don't forget to vote in november tokyo game show news news so relevant to my interests the phoenix Wright trilogy is headed to switch uh in japan and confirmed for the west capcom is targeting early 2019 the collection will include the first three ds games these are the games that i hold dear to my heart and uh, you know i think this will probably be like 
the third, maybe fourth <laughs> time that I have bought this trilogy. I bought them on my phone. Yeah. You know, I bought them on DS. I will absolutely buy them on Switch. Let me ask you this. Is the art changed or like... So I think they're using the high like res assets that yeah. they used in like the mobile versions. And um, I, of course, have like a certain amount of nostalgia for the DS and GBA versions. Yeah. But th- it's fine. Great. Uh, during the Square Enix stage show, the World Ends With You producer Tetsuya Nomura talked about his experience remixing the game for a release 11 years after the original on developing the A New Day content, which is the subtitle for the Switch version. said, quote, we didn't want the addition just to be a little stinger at the end of the game. Rather, we wanted to create a full playable story scenario that really stands on its own and connects to or hints at the original story. And as for the placement, it definitely takes place after the ending and is a continuation of the story. Uh, so that's it's interesting that it's like a kind of separate nugget uh, of of story, even if or even like a a self contained sequel, um, albeit like kind of a, a smaller one. I think it's neat. On what comes next, he said, "Quote: I will be working hard on future development that will make you glad that you supported this game so passionately for so long." Uh, he's making a lot of assumptions about my support of The World Ends With You, a game that I liked while I played. I don't know if I've been supporting it for the last 11 years. It's one of those games where I think when it came out on DS, it seemed to do okay, but there's just been like a small, passionate fan base for a long time. He, I mean, he kind of seems to be hinting at a sequel. Yeah, I mean, that that is sort of how that reads, that like we will continue to get uh the world ends with you which i mean it's it's a cool like stylish world like i i would i i'd like to see more stuff uh like it or in that series also during the square enix stage show the switch version of dragon quest 11 was revealed with a new name dragon quest 11 s and the s stands for switch special shaburu which is japanese for speaking and uh, I don't really know how to say this no, one. No, it's like Sayu. Yeah, which Sayu. is Japanese for voice actor. Um, I mean, whatever. It's an S, right? <laughs> right. And this is this is always a thing in video games where you're like, oh, how how did I do in that? Oh, I got a C C ranking. Oh, uh, an an A ranking. An S ranking. That's better than A somehow. So I mean, uh, let's let's throw out all of our excitement about um the world ends with you and just move it over to dragon quest 11 on switch sure yeah absolutely i mean we could play this game right now because it's available on the ps4 but i'm not going to i'm going to wait for an indeterminate amount of time because no release window has been discussed no other than they mentioned that quote more time was needed before the game could be released great uh also (laughs) they're not talking about what this version of the game is exactly is it a port of the ps4 version some like upscaling of the 3ds version a hybrid of the two is it only going to release to japan is it going to come to the west is it something else entirely what's going on we don't know because the western version has voice acting they added it for the western version the japanese version did not so they will be adding voice acting in uh dragon quest 11s for switch oh because voice actor is part of the is one of the things the s can stand for. right exactly but and speaking. <laughs> and shh, Dragon, I'm playing Dragon Quest XI S. Um, 
but yeah, I'm gonna wait for the Switch version. And if the Switch version doesn't come out, the PS4 version will be cheap by then. So what a great point. Um, we we talked about this, or I texted you about it earlier. But the Kotaku review of Dragon Quest Eleven is excellent. I recommend everyone check it out. Carve out like 40 minutes to watch it because it is so long. Uh, but the reviewer is fiercely passionate about the Dragon Quest series and mounts an excellent argument for why you know this game has. A bunch of flaws, but is perfect <laughs> and is the best video game he's ever played. Go check it out. A mysterious new Pokemon has shown up in Pokemon Go. Originally thought to be some sort of glitch or mistake, a strange Pokemon with like a ghost body and an industrial nut for a head has been just like spreading around the world. Yeah, that's just been like popping up uh, and people are encountering it. And yeah, it just looks like a little hexagon nut with like a glowing orb in the middle of it. That's like its head. Yeah. And then its body is like a ditto, right? Yeah. It's a purple blob. And uh, no, no, it's like a, um, it, to me, it looks more like, is it purple? To me, it looks more like a like napkin. I thought it was like yellow. I was just about to look it up, but I realized we don't know what the name of this thing is. <laughs> you probably just look up mysterious Pokemon. New Pokemon. Uh, <laughs> when players try to capture this monster, it does turn into a ditto, though which is a cute and interesting way to introduce a new Pokemon. Could this be the brand new Pokemon headed for Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee later this year? Um, I suppose it could be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we don't have any proof otherwise. <laughs> I think this is a really cool way to like roll out a Pokemon. Yeah, it's very strange. Um, also, I wonder if it will be in um, Let's Go or if they're like really teasing the you know whatever new pokemon are going to be coming out in the game next year oh the like 2019 core new gen yeah gen 8 yeah gen 8 um maybe this weird uh hexagon head is the, one of the new starters and we'll have to redo our best starters <laughs> list to include hexhead <laughs> uh hexhead sounds like like uh he'd be in a clive barker novel <laughs> hexhead hexhead <laughs> i was thinking like uh uh like it, it he's like a cousin to pinhead yeah yeah like totally Hellraiser. yeah uh-huh <laughs> yeah that's it <laughs> or like something that'd be in that return to oz movie oh that movie's great uh way before xenoblade chronicles 2 developers monolith soft created the two batten kaitos rpgs for gamecube mm-hmm. uh director yasuki hone revealed that a third game in the series was planned at one time and even started pre-production immediately after the release of batten Ka- uh, Kaitos 2, but due to quote, circumstances with the involved parties, it didn't move forward. The, uh, the game was planned to be a grand scale game with settings on the bottom of the sea, on land, and in the sky. I love any time we try to divine any information from a Japanese game developer translated into English because I feel like there are so many things that we don't understand about what they're saying. Well, and my understanding um based on video game podcasts right and books is just is that like uh japanese vis- business relationships are very they, you know they're built on trust and relationships and so you don't you know you don't spill yeah i mean like when people were laid off from telltale we heard all sorts of stuff like right away if someone gets laid off from nintendo you are never gonna hear about how much crunch they had to do it's a i mean there have to be uh, I'm sure Nintendo is a lovely place, and it's a company, obviously, that I love. But I'm sure that they overwork their uh, their designers. Well, and... there are nightmare people everywhere. Yeah, yes, exactly. 
Uh, oh, so we'll, let's talk about this. <laughs> uh, this uh, Baton Kaidos thing. Um, so I, I have not played either of these games, mm-hmm. but I remember reading EGM, you know, Perfect. Ar- around this time and uh, just being fascinated by this idea of a, a RPG just for GameCube, you know, from a third party. It was a Bandai Namco game. Uh-huh. And we could have gotten a third one, but didn't. Yep. Wonder if we ever will. Finally, remember back when Nintendo was working on all that like secret quality of life initiatives? I do. All of those secret vitality sensor. Uh huh. So we never really saw anything come of it. But earlier this month, um, patents that were filed in February by Nintendo and Panasonic were revealed, showing off two light lighting devices designed to relax or wake up the user. And I feel like there's something that I'm missing here because this already exists. The like sad lamps? Is that what those are called? The seasonal affective disorder lamps? Well, I mean, just like a dimmer switch is also. <laughs> but no, like those, like an alarm clock that yeah, that's part of slowly, it is just like yeah. the light gets brighter as um, it gets closer to the time that you're supposed to wake up. There must be something like, that I'm missing. Well, uh, I went. I grew up and went to school in Wisconsin. Uh-huh. Um, and in all of the uh, dormitories in uh, at Lawrence University in Appleton, Wisconsin, there were these sad lamps that were like, uh, you know, UV lights that had like a dimmer switch on them that were there so that you could like trick your body in February into thinking that it was like getting sunlight. Um. And I don't know if it ever, I don't, I don't I have no concept of whether it works or not, um, because I would just be miserable all winter. <laughs> well, it also like, like a hearty Midwestern boy. <laughs> yeah. Well, also you were in your twenties, like that you're, you're going to be miserable no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, so I, I mean, I, it's, if this is along those same lines, like, yes, to answer your question, it does already exist. Um, so way, way to patent it, Nintendo. Um, but Nintendo was also recently patenting the uh, um, Nintendo 64 uh, controller uh, shape. Okay, here's the thing about that. Yeah. Is we had talked about that. A long time a ago. A long time ago. That they right. had copyrighted the NES or the N64 controller that was in the same sort of like graphical style as the NES controller and the SNES controller for use on the classic edition um packaging yeah and then this past week people brought it up like it was something new it was like well they're bringing it up because they're seeing the the playstation classic which we talked about in 433 and they're like oh so obviously i can't and i actually can't believe the outlets that are like nintendo's gonna do this it's like what are you talking about i i still i mean on the subject of a nintendo 64 classic no way we see that this year Oh yeah, not this year for and sure. I'm still, I'm still not convinced that such a thing is even possible. Uh, I think it's coming next year. You think it's coming I next do. year? I do. I think we had the NES two years ago, the SNES last year. This year is, hey, we made enough of them this time, ramping us up for the N64 Classic Edition next year. Also, they got Pokemon machines to sell. So, I mean, they're they're selling so many different hardware bundles of like switches this year, like. Sim- keep keep it simple, guys. We we can wait another year for uh, Nintendo 64 Classic. All right, Mark. That's all the news there is. Let's get out of the news. And actually, now that I think about it, 
that's going to be it for the whole episode. Uh, remember, if you enjoyed this, please rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate it a lot. Um, also, if you could share it in whatever way you share things on Twitter or Instagram or in person. Um, it helps us out tremendously. Um, on Twitter, I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell, and the show is at Nincart Society. And there's a Facebook page as well, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. If you like Mark and Mind's opinions, we write about comic books on RetconPunch.com. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Ape at Betty. You can get more of his music by going to ApeAtBetty.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Ellers saying thanks for listening.